everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler in studio with Christine Bentley, and you are tuned in to the Sunday edition of What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Now, a warning, Christine's voice is a little froggy. Froggy. I was was saying it was, you know, like husky. Well, it sort of goes in and out. It's husky and then it's froggy. Um, (laughs) I I do apologize. Uh, This Thursday is International Women's Day, and Mm -hmm. in an effort to celebrate women all month long, Booking.com is putting on a series of initiatives aimed at providing women around the world with the tools they need to succeed in the tech industry, including a ladies' learning code workshop that you will definitely want to sign up for. I know I'd love to, but I'm not sure that I have that aptitude. I think, you know, considering we've managed to teach you how to handle, you know, scams and all kinds of things coming into and your Facebook, your social media is great. You can do it. You can do it. Go with your granddaughter. Go together. Um, Anyway, Iona Popa-Gaskins, a strategy manager, will be our first guest this afternoon. Now, mental health writer Patricia Tomasi is going to talk about her recent Huffington Post article called Moms with Postpartum Depression Keep Getting Reported to Child Services. Now, a a mom in the United States made international headlines last month after she shared a shocking story um, about after she asked for help with postpartum depression, her nurse practitioner called the police. Tomasi says this experience rings true for new moms across Canada as well. And advocates are saying health care workers need better training. I, I, yeah, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Toronto actor, writer, and producer Sarah Kolaski will be here. Now, she plays Lauren in the feature film Great, 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 which she produced and she co-wrote with her longtime collaborator, Adam Garnett-Jones. And it, by the way, is nominated for a 2018 Canadian Screen Award for Best Original Screenplay. We're also going to hear about NSK Theatre's production of Sarah Kane's play, 448 Psychosis. It's taking place at Toronto's Aki Studio Theatre on March 9th and 10th with Alina Starkov, who is the director, producer, and she's going to be acting in it. Now, um, Alina has a personal connection and about why she wanted to bring uh, this play back. It's uh, a portrayal of depression and suicidal ideation, and she's going to explain to us exactly what that means. And on a lighter note, musicologist Eric Alper is telling us the stories behind the top five happiest songs. Oh, I love that. Happy songs. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is on the record. Uh, That's his segment. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions, we have Juno award-winning artist Sean Jones, who is going to perform his brand new single called Stole. Uh, We want to give a shout out to San Pellegrino for keeping our guests hydrated in studio today and also tell them that my daughter took a case back to McGill University with her for her roommates. So, you know, we might have to pay up for that one. <laughs> and of course, Kobo for giving us a book club. You can check out our Books with Buzz list. It's curated by lifelong reading lover, Tracy Nesterly. It's up now at Kobo.com slash what she said, and you get a little discount. And we will take a quick break uh, while Christine has a Ricola. And to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk, we'll be right back here on 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm Kate Wheeler. Well, this Thursday marks International Women's Day, and in an effort to celebrate women all month long, Booking.com has put together a series of initiatives aimed at providing women around the world with the tools they need to succeed in the tech industry. And joining us now is Iwana Popa, a strategy manager at Booking.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you giving a voice to this uh, 
to this. Oh, we're we're all about uh, women and girls in STEM here. We we, we yeah. love we love talking about the STEM fields. But first, tell us about your role at Booking.com. What does a strategy manager do? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, me as a strategy manager, I actually joined Booking.com about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a strategy manager, I'm in charge of strategy per se. But uh, what that means is optimizing hotels' uh, performance, especially their digital strategy, uh, from optimizing their visibility on the page, their ranking, um, consulting them on um, on pricing, um, as well as overall, um, you know, their visibility um, on the website um, by utilizing some Booking.com product as well as our analytics um, and business intelligence reports that I use. Okay, so is this one of the reasons that you guys wanted to connect with uh, science? You know, technology, engineering, and math? Yes, in STEM I'm personally a huge fan of, of STEM, everything STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes, um, you know, as a child, I'm not sure I was even given that chance to actually enter this this um, this industry, the STEM industry. Um, and I was thinking about that before I came to the show. Um, you know, I never, when I closed my eyes, I never knew what a what an engineer does. Mm-hmm. I always pictured, uh, you know, a, a train mechanic. or And that was not appealing to me. That was more of a boy-related field. So um, I'm here to actually give a voice to, 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 to those girls that, uh, do feel a, attraction or an inclined to to stem overall okay but the, but there's there's a problem because according to uh, a recent global gender gap report last year marked the first year since 2006 that the percentage of women working in the tech mm. field declined yeah. so what do you think's going on? It's it's absolutely a troubling reversal. Um, but you're right. I, th- I want to say in a, around the 90s, we're up to 37%, which is the mm-hmm. peak that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And then now um, it's down to about 20, 22% of uh, women in, in tech industry. Um, so you're right. But I think dot-com or tech, tech jobs are booming. And I think there's no women available to take this position or to go along with the booming of, of the job why, tech industry. Why do you think that is? Oh, and I thought about it. I think there for for several reasons. Reasons. Um, so, Booking.com conducted a, um, a research last year um, that actually looked into perceptions of of this myth, this mm-hmm. analyzing why why that is. Um, and one of the key factors was that there's a lot of gender bias. Um, so, unconscious, mm-hmm. conscious, as well as implicit bias. You mean gender bias in at the companies that that would be hiring. I would say everywhere, companies hiring, companies with existing women, um, you know, like if I asked you right now to envision a scientist, what do you, what would, what would be your answer? Kirsty Duncan. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, I, and you're on the, one of the few people that would ever actually respond that because typically most of people are, are, that, that are ask this question, they, they envision a man. And that's so wrong. That's your implicit bias already. Um, and um, so on one hand was the um, unconscious bias, but also was the lack of role models. Well, it's like that very old, well, it's, it's not a joke, but I, I'll call it a joke, that old thing, you know, um, uh, a, a doctor has to operate on a child at hospital and says, no, I can't do the operation because that's my son. You know, and it's like, well, and it, it's like, why, why can't? Well, it's because the doctor is, is the mom, right? It's mm-hmm. not the, it's not, you automatically assume that it's a male. It's a male. I thought right. those perceptions had changed. You know, I, I, I was under the same impression as well. And then here we go with all this facts, because at the end of the day, statistics is, you know, they don't lie. Facts are facts. But is it partially, I mean, the way, I mean, because you have to go down to young girls and how right. they're being raised. And they all want to be Instagram yeah. stars, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. you got to learn analytics to make sure you're getting enough followers to you, do that. There yes, I know, but somebody has to tell them that in grade two. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Okay, so bo- bo- Booking.com is putting a spotlight on the issue through yes. a series of initiatives. Right. One of them being Ladies Learning Code yes. workshops. So, so tell us about that. That's great. So first of all, I think Booking.com, obviously, um, like you were saying before, the International Women's Day, we're celebrating March 8th, um, and Booking.com wants to put a spotlight on this um, this issue, but not only on, on, on win, International Women's Day, uh, it's only one day initiative, it's literally a whole year, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, concentrate on this month. Um, Aside the latest learning code, we have uh, several other initiatives, um, and I quickly want to um, undermine one of one of my favorite ones. We are actually um, in partnership with Oxford University as well as uh, Delft University, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I'm very proud to say that I attended one semester, uh, which is in Amsterdam, in Holland. Um, we're giving away 15 scholarships worth of 
half million dollars for women um, pursuing a postdoc. So wow. I think that's that's really great. Um, of course, our CEO is a woman, Gillian Tans. She attended the Web Summit, um, and she provided mentorship one-on-one sessions with the different women. Uh, they're trying to pursue this. Um, so there's a lot of initiatives. But um, going back to learning to code, I think that's a great event. It's taking place in Toronto um, for two days. It's March 21st and March 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to give an opportunity to everyone who wants to enter this industry or who simply just wants to build their own website. Um, if you have a startup, um, you know, you're going to learn a lot about how to build a website, a multi-page website, um, how to use HTML and um, CSS. So I think I think it's a great experience to everyone. It's open to everyone. Um, it only costs 65 dollars which which is a steal if you ask me um so um definitely make sure to um to look it up. To, so, to, so to look it up, where, yep. where do you, where do people look it up? What's the, um, you we... can do on the website on Ladies Learning Code. Um, also, we have an Eventbrite page. Um, so there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, information online. And who do you recommend this mm-hmm. for? What age or? Yeah. I would recommend it to everyone. And I was thinking about it. You know, whether you're female uh, identified or male identified or trans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, obviously but age group. Um, I would say, you know, I was interested in coding since I was 12 years old, for example. Um, But, um, you know, um, I think it's open to everyone. Um, I would like to encourage mainly um, girls that are on undergrad and high school, as well as, you know, mature women that want to have just a website on their business as a side and want to build their own website and um, create beautiful uh, visuals. Absolutely. Um, Everyone, really, guys. Now, I understand. Okay, so the the prize is this a separate the one you were mentioning before? Is that the one that's involved in in this? Yeah. Or is this that, that's if you take part in this workshop, mm-hmm. and you're a lucky new coder. Yes, you have yes. the chance to win. To you have the chance to win a five hundred dollar worth of Booking.com travel credit. Okay, uh, which we can you can use um, everywhere um, in the world. We have accommodations in two hundred twenty nine countries, mm-hmm. uh, more than one point five million accommodations overall. Um, and I was I was telling them before, you know, my friends. I went to Amsterdam the last month and I booked a boathouse on the canal. So I stayed. I stayed on the canal on the boathouse. Obviously, I booked this through Booking.com, um, and I mean, I had the best experience. So if you guys are going to Amsterdam, make sure to stay on a boathouse. I love. The <laughs> I, lo- um, I love the hashtag. Tell us the hashtag. Yes, the hashtag is Booking Fem Powers. Um, so use that to enter um, the the contest to win five hundred dollars, um, and tell us the story, your story about how a role model influenced uh, influenced your career in tech. So what do you think? What do you think will create a change so that we do see those numbers of women working in the tech field going up? Yeah, I think having more role models is key. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the Booking.com survey, um, you know, demonstrates through statistics and facts at the end of the day, having role models uh, since you were young, because, you know, I was thinking about it too. Um, my math professor was, was a male. You know, my physics professor back in high school was a male. Uh, my CS professor was a male. Um, and so I think having more female role models uh, would influence other uh, other females to actually pursue this career and not be scared, not be afraid. Um, this is not, we need to change this perception that um, you know this industry is a male dominator or more uh, it's catered more towards towards male mm-hmm. because it's not the case um, and back to your point um, you know it, it starts since we're two years old at the end of the day it starts with our parents um, so what I want to say parents next time maybe consider a space rocket as a gift to your daughter not necessarily a doll absolutely well thank you very much for coming in and telling us all about it again the hashtag is booking femme powers so we can find that all over social media Iwana Popa thank you so much for coming in thank you so much guys Uh, we appreciate your support this is great thank you for supporting this this is what she said on 105.9 the region and you can follow us on social media at what she said talk and we'll be right back Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. 
Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. York Region, this is your radio station, 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said at 105.9 The Region. I'm Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Toronto actor, writer, and producer Sarah Kalaski, who plays Lauren in the feature film Great, 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 which is nominated for a 2018 Canadian Screen Award for Best Original Screenplay. Congratulations and welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Now, you produced and co-wrote this with your longtime collaborator, Adam Garnett-Jones, and both of you had a goal of writing and producing a film that you would want to see. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we started making the film about, oh, now it's about five years ago. Um, and at, at the time, a lot of our friends um, were making um, smaller independent films that were very character driven, uh, that they were making for the money in their pockets. And uh, they were getting screened at festivals and getting accolades. And, and at the time, neither Adam nor I had um, made a feature. And so we thought, well, if they can do that, we can do that too. We can make something that appeals to us um, and that, that we would want to watch. So um, yeah, we just started brainstorming ideas and um, the film came from there. So tell people, um, <clears throat> sorry, the storyline. Yeah, so it's about um, a young couple, Lauren and Tom. They're in their early 30s. They've been together for about five years. And you know, everything's fine. They're, they're content. Um, and uh, at the beginning of the film, Lauren's parents announce that they're getting a divorce. And that really takes Lauren by surprise and kind of shakes everything up for her and makes her question her relationship with her boyfriend, who she is genuinely in love with, but she ha has this nagging feeling in the back of her head, like, maybe this isn't actually the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. But she feels pressure to marry him, but at the same time is wondering uh, what she'd be missing out on if she makes that commitment. So what was the inspiration mm -hmm. behind well, the story? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not auto autobiographical. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but yeah, Adam and I were both in long-term relationships in our 20s where we, we both thought, oh, maybe this is going to be it. This will this be the is person. The yeah. Um, and then they both, uh, the relationships fell apart. It was, he, we each ended our respective relationships for different reasons. Um, but we felt that around 30, we were seeing um, a lot of our friends in long-term relationships either get married or break up mm -hmm. and, or even get married if they were unsure whether they should be getting married, but it just felt like the right thing to do. So we thought, oh, this is a really interesting territory to explore that we hadn't seen um, in a film yet. So it's just that sort of like uncertain middle ground of relationships. But, but I mean, I think it's part of conversation always. People talking about, people wondering, am I settling? Mm -hmm. um, yes, the idea, yeah. Is there settling? something better mm -hmm. or... Because you never really know. Exactly. I mean, there, yeah. there are like three people in the world who say, oh, the first time I saw this person, I knew it was the one. Well, you you, you always think that. Mm -hmm. But then later you go, well, maybe I'll, maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. So we've all had that too. So yeah, yeah. in the end, you don't know. So it's reevaluating things and it's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. So embracing that uncertainty, I think, is um, what the characters do by the end. I don't want to spoil anything no. <laughs> for the end of the movie, but... Um, but yeah, what Adam and I had learned from our own relationships was that being open with your partner, that communication, open communication was so key. Because uh, in, in my first long-term relationship, I think we were both uh, really scared of of messing something up. We were like, okay, we have something good. So. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, everyone thinks that we're like super, you know, happy and everything's... And it, and it was, it, there really wasn't anything specifically wrong. It was just that um, we weren't being totally um, open with each other. And, um, and, you know, yeah, people grow and change. And I think we just weren't 
communicating with each other. Well, our film critic Anne Brody really enjoyed the movie. Her official review was, and I quote, some interesting insights and Kalaski is a revelation who pulls off charming and wicked and uncertain at the same time. So what was it like playing the role of Lauren? Uh, it, it was a challenge, but a really, really fun challenge because on set I had to take off my producer hat and just be there as an actor as much as I could be. I, I surrounded myself with um, a really great production team so that I didn't have to worry about the producer stuff when I was there on set and I could just focus on um, being in character and working with Adam as the director. And yeah, I mean, she, it, Lauren is a character that a lot of people have described as unlikable. So it was interesting as we were shooting, I had that nagging voice in the back of my head, like, oh, don't don't play her too unlikable because that'll hurt the that'll hurt the film. But then Adam and I were like, you know what? That, we can't even worry about that because this is the character that we've written. And um, we're just like, we're accepting that not every choice that she's making is going to be appealing and likable. Endearing. You know, endearing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. What do you hope people take away from this? Um, I hope that people will reflect on their own lives when they see it and and reflect on maybe what part of themselves uh, they see in Lauren or recognize in Lauren. Um, it's been really interesting doing the Q and A's after the screenings where people will say like, Oh my God, that was, that was my last relationship. And I can't mm-hmm. believe I, I never thought that I would see that in, in a movie. And, uh, and I'm like, Oh, that's great. Uh, but I'm sorry that, that that was your last relationship. But it's been really interesting. It, it, the yeah. feedback that we get is more, um, uh, um, insightful as to the, the people themselves, mm-hmm. the audience members themselves, than the film, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But 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 now that that raises the question. So the film was mostly self-funded from pre-production mm-hmm. to production. It's already taken home awards at the 2017 Canadian Film Fest, mm-hmm. including Best Canadian Feature Film. So with all the roles out there that va- actors are vying for, do you need to write and produce your own film in order to offer yourself a media role to star in? I think that's a good question. I I feel like. Even um, you know more established actors in America are mm-hmm. are producing work mm-hmm. for themselves, especially women. Um, for me, I just felt like a lot of the roles that I was going out for as an actor um, were uh, were just not that interesting for me. And I am someone who really likes to be challenged. And so when Adam and I were thinking about the story that we wanted to tell, I was like. I want to do something that's going to be really fun and 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 difficult and allow me to, um, you know, do things, explore parts of myself as an actor that I haven't um, had the chance to to explore yet. So, um, yeah, does that answer the question? It sounds like, to me I- like there's more. Films mm-hmm. coming from you. Yes, yeah, I feel like, but hopefully not five years. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping the success of this film will will really speed up the next film that we make. Um, do you already yeah. have ideas? Yes, actually, I do. Um, I want my next film to be a horror film about uh, a woman who doesn't want to have children. <laughs> A horror film about (laughs) yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. But I'm really interested in using the horror genre as a vehicle to explore um, women's role in society, especially around now. I mean, I'm uh, over 30, and and so a lot of my friends are um, having babies, and and Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's what I want to do. But Mm -hmm. there's this pressure from society to like decide. Well, if you're not having a baby, then what are you doing with your life? It's amazing in this in this yes, day and age. This, but that it's that also happens. it's also coupling. Same thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're not, you know, why aren't you out there? Yeah. Trying? What's wrong you with couple. you? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's huge pressure that there shouldn't be. Yeah. Actually, I think maybe the horror movie is having the children. <laughs> well, see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a lot to explore. I think within that. World, I love you, kids. So. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's humor there too. <laughs> yeah, there is. Okay, so Great 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 is available to buy or rent on iTunes. Mm-hmm. It's on Rogers On Demand 
mm-hmm. as well now. Yeah. Um, so how do people follow you, stay in touch with you, websites, um, that kind I, of thing? Yeah, our website for our movie is greatgreatgreatmovie.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Sarah Kolaski. I'm on Instagram, if you want to follow me on social media. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, and we have a Facebook page for the film for the as mo- well. Great, yeah. great, great. Yeah. The movie? Yeah. <laughs> great, yeah. great, great, yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for coming in, uh, Sarah Kolaski. Thank uh, you for having me. And we will uh, look forward to your um, Next up- one. upcoming horror movie, I yeah. think. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> this is What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media. Our handle is all at What She Said Talk. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com TC or call 416-340-7270. The Region, growing with you and your family. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Don't stop me now. If you want to have a good time. Welcome back to What She Said. I'm Christine Bentley here at 105.9 The Region. Joining us now for On The Record is our musicologist, Eric Alper. And today we're talking about the five top happiest songs ever. So what makes a song happy, Eric? When I don't sing it. Oh. <laughs> no, that um, makes everybody it happy. Makes everybody <laughs> happy. Well, the reason why this topic came up is because March 3rd this weekend is I Want You To Be Happy Day, which is an unselfish day. It's a day where we get to share the love for the people around us. And there was a Dutch neuroscientist named Dr. Jacob Julie who asked respondents to disclose their musical preference and what songs helped improve their mood and based on the research he came up with five songs and that one was Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. It's featured on their 1978 album called Jazz and this song was voted also as the greatest driving song ever. So if you put the song on and you go fast and you get a ticket it may not make you so happy afterwards in the end of it all. Okay, that was Dancing Queen by ABBA and I love that the Queen said that she always tries to dance when she hears that song because she is the queen. That makes, <laughs> that makes me so happy. I know. See, that, even just talking about songs like this make me happy. It's the only number one single of ABBA's very brief but successful career. The video right now has 225 million views on YouTube. Is that which is all? A lot, you, you think it would be a lot more, right? But that's, you know, 224 million people are happy once they hear this song. And here's here's the, 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 the fun fact of the geek in me. The International Standard Musical Works Code is a unique identifier. It's kind of like a UPC code for mm-hmm. products or the ISBN line for books. The very first International Standard Musical Work Code was given to Dancing Queen. The code is, for those marking at home, t 0 Point zero 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 point zero zero one. Really? Yes. <laughs> so if you're ever, you know, looking to scan some fun items in there and you type in that code, up will come the sale of Dancing Queen by ABBA. She's giving me excitations. I'm biking up. Good vibrations. Excitations. Good, good vibrations. Okay, I completely understand that Good Vibrations is a, is a happy song. It's a very happy song, except if your name didn't happen to be 
Uh, anyone other than Brian Wilson, if you were a member of the Beach Boys, because they hated this song. They, they hated the song? They thought this song was career suicide because at the time, bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys would use the studio essentially as a live avenue. It would be like, get in, get out, do your song, and release it. This was one of the very first songs that the band spent time in the studio using the studio as another instrument. So over 90 hours was spent recording this song at a cost of just under $400,000 in in 2018 um, dollars. But it really utilized what the studio can do for artists. And everybody else in the band except for Brian Wilson hated this song. I'm so surprised at that. <laughs> Such a, I, I, me too. I'm with Brian Wilson. <laughs> okay. Uptown Girl, Billy Joel. Uptown Girl. Now, um, this was this is a song that was originally called Uptown Girls, and Billy Joel had written it for his girlfriend at the time, who was Elle McPherson. I was Elle McPherson? Yes. I was going to say, you know, the woman who became his wife. Right, exactly. No. So there was a night that Elle McPherson, Whitney Houston, and Christy Brinkley all mm-hmm. went out together with Billy Joel. And he wrote that song, Uptown Girls, and it was written about them three, but then it was later written mostly about his then future wife, who is in the video for, and that was Christy Brinkley. Yeah. I'd, I'd just be really happy if I looked like she did at her age. Like, wow. <laughs> I'd be you. really happy if I looked like Billy Joel and I got <laughs> any of those women. Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. This is a really interesting one because a lot of people know that, of course, it's the main theme song for Rocky III and writer and director Sylvester Stallone really wanted this song to be used after he was turned down by Queen to use Another One Bites the Dust. Eye of the Tiger was supposed to be in the final fight scene of The Karate Kid, but that was turned down in lieu of a song called... You're the Best by Joe Esposito. Joe's Esposito song was originally supposed to be in Flashdance, but that song was turned down for the use of Maniac by Michael Cimbello. And all of this proves is that Billy Joel went out with both Elle McPherson and Christy <laughs> Brinkley. I'm still stunned at that. Yeah, you're just jealous. I'm just jealous. Yeah, I, as be, I don't have the eye of the tiger, I guess. <laughs> and those are the happiest songs of all time. Thanks so much, Eric, and we will talk to you next weekend. Absolutely. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Since I fell down the stairs as a child and knocked my front teeth out, I've always smiled with my mouth closed. This year, I decided to change that and was surprised to find out that veneers were affordable and could be done rather quickly. With just two weeks before my wedding, I went to Maple Ridge Dentistry. Dr. Cohen and his team understood my needs, put together a work plan, and in all my wedding pictures, you will see me broadly smiling. Thank you, Maple Ridge Dentistry. For fast, affordable, and excellent dental service, call 905-832-9008 or go to mapleridgedentistry.ca. Located in Maple, they can give you the smile you want. Tell them Michael sent you. It was a game changer for me. 105.9 The Region. Keeping the 905 in the know. Welcome back to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Alina Starkov, director, producer, and actor at NSK Theatre, who is producing a rerun of Sarah Kane's play, 448 Psychosis, at Toronto's Aki Studio uh, Theatre on March 9th and 10. Welcome to What She Said. 
Hello, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, Alina, the play is described as a brutally honest look at self-exploration, petrified hope, personal despair, unconditional love, and clinical depression. So tell us how this story came about. Um, honestly, it just hit us. At first, when we read the script, it was so interesting to look at it from a point of view of just the creator because the words on the page were so scattered sentences were scattered there's no punctuations no nothing you know and that was just wow what do you do with this script how do you perform it so it was it was very much a collaborative work we did not recognize the fact that once we will start working on it and submerging ourselves into material it would become so personal it would become it would turn around and have so much more meaning and the connection between the people in the play. It could potentially be just one uh, person reciting the entire play, or you can have three, you can have five, you can have 10. What's fascinating about it is that the endless perspective that this play can have and how everyone perceives it, starting from characters, going to directors, even production manager who's constantly watching us and going, wow. Okay, so so this was the last piece of work that Sarah Kane produced before taking her own life in 1999? Yes. Well, that's how it's been recorded, and a lot of people are calling it a suicide note. Mm -hmm. um, to us, considering that this is our rerun, uh, mm -hmm. we strongly believe that it's it's a little more than just a suicide note. I think she was trying, she was trying to go beyond just the comment, and again, we have to take ourselves and place ourselves into her shoes and understand, hey, it's a person with clinical depression. It's much more. It's her reality now. This is her this is her breathing world that she's evolving, trying to evolve herself and trying to find her true self and sense of purpose. So us trying to try to live through her notes and uh, but at the same time give her the correct voice of more than just, hey, it's my final words before I go into my own bathroom and hang myself. So we were trying to uh, we were trying to approach it from more than that. This is a topic that's kind of hitting a lot of people mm. and a lot mm -hmm. of people go down that road. So maybe she's trying to say more than that. See a different side of it. See it from a doctor's perspective. See it from a lover's perspective. See it from a bystander. See it from just a clinical administrator who is just absorbing all of this happening to another person. And of course, people who suffer clinical depression. Um, I think everyone, even if they don't suffer, you know, serious clinical depression has moments of up and down moments. So we all have a little bit of that. So is this uh, a piece of work that you think most people can relate to? I absolutely think so. And again, for me personally, uh, as a performer, uh, when I'm trying to collaborate with my actors and uh, when I'm collaborating with the partners on stage, it's more than that. I'm trying to show them the perspective I'm coming from and I'm asking them to be forgiving, to be open and to be caring and just open up their mind or perspective just a little bit so we could have that not only conversation, but we were able to make steps for, towards each other for that kind of unity, if you will, as opposed to, hey, pull yourself together. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You're going to snap out of it. It's it's fine. You have to let people do that, of course. Um, it's their own it's their own voice. It's their own belief as to, hey, this is my comfort zone. Uh, I, I see you're having an issue, but I don't want I don't want anything to do with that. Now, as we mentioned before, this is a rerun. You've performed this yes. before, but you say this time it's much more personal yes. for you. Primarily my mom, she's going through clinical depression that's been lasting for over five years. And she's somewhat... I guess parents tend to affect you and... Is, so, so is this sort of cathartic for you to perform in this? I think it's a release. So what do you hope that people will learn, take away from watching the performance? I sincerely hope that we'll sort of come out, A, a little hopeful, mm -hmm. because there's so, as I said, there's so much perspective that can take, that can go on between two people. And sometimes people, we can help each other without mm -hmm. going through a system of clinical, well, not only research, but uh, <laughs> help. 
sometimes it's just hearing the person out and really sometimes being straightforward and saying, hey, listen, this is what you kind of need right now, but I'm willing to hear you out. And this is what I think Mm -hmm. your approach should be. But sometimes they just need to say, you know what? I have no idea how to help you, but here I am. Here's my shoulder. Here's my hand. You want to cry? Let's do it. If you want me to tell you elsewhere, let's do that. You want to get drunk? By all means. (laughs) Sometimes it just goes to those kind of things. 448 Psychosis is on at Toronto's Aki Studio Theatre on March 9th and 10th. Where can people go to get tickets on Our site, nsktheatre.com. nsktheatre.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is what she said on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. The Spark of Markham. CFMS 105.9. The Region. Welcome back to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I am Kate Wheeler. U.S. mom Jessica Porton made international headlines last month after she shared a a shocking story. How after she had asked for help with postpartum depression, her nurse practitioner called the police. Now joining us now is mental health writer Patricia Tomasi, who recently wrote an article about how Porton's experience rings true for new mothers across Canada. Welcome to What She Said, Patricia. Thank you for having me. First of all, let's discuss the difference between the baby blues and postpartum depression. Um, I had baby blues for like two or three days. My mother was keeping an eye on me and saw that it it passed. But, you know, explain what the difference is. And can I just add, and and let's Total exhaustion, where does that fit in? (laughs) Because, you know, it's hard to Mm -hmm. tell, I think, Mm -hmm. for a new mother. Yes, and and that's why, you know, I'm trying to raise awareness with the writing that I do because I went through postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, So the difference between the baby blues and Mm -hmm. postpartum depression is almost the definition that you just provided is that the baby blues lasts a couple days. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's very expected, actually, Mm -hmm. that moms will come back and be from the hospital or if they gave birth at home, be exhausted for the first few days, overwhelmed. There could be some hormonal issues going on as well. But after, you know, a few days and they say nothing more than two weeks, everything should start of kind of leveling off and and going back to sort of a new normal, a new normal, a new normal. Mm-hmm. With postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or postpartum OCD or postpartum bipolar, there are a lot of different variations of postpartum, not just postpartum depression. That is something that persists beyond two weeks. So uh, the symptoms, you know, if you um, have postpartum depression, you can be uh, very sad, you know, just crying um, at the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. uh, very tired, very unmotivated. Um, in sort of a brain fog. And then if you have postpartum anxiety, you can uh, be extremely anxious, worrying all the time. Uh, If you have postpartum OCD, you can have intrusive thoughts, which are these disturbing thoughts that come in your Mm -hmm. mind. You would never harm yourself or your baby, but... what do you mean disturbing thoughts? You would have, because um, I had them, you you would have flashes. I had, a, I had flashes of driving over a cliff with my baby and, you know, and it scares you. Um, so that's how you know you're dealing with postpartum OCD or the doctor would know. And then there's postpartum bipolar, um, which is you're getting, you know, a lot more serious. You can suffer from delusions. And then there's postpartum psychosis, which is one in a thousand women. Okay. What, what is that? That is very rare. It occurs mm. in one in a thousand women. And that's what you tend to hear in the media a lot of, of 
um, infanticide or, um, you know, the mother killing herself or killing her baby. It's terrible, but it's rare. Okay, so and that seems to be the the crux of the issue, because why do moms with postpartum depression keep getting reported to child services? I would think it's possibly a good thing if the practitioner thinks that there is some um, version of it could be turning into a psychosis, that they're worried, that they're trying to protect the mother, the child, and themselves. But you think people are being overreported. Mm-hmm. So what happened with this story that happened in the U.S., Jessica mm-hmm. Porton, um, there I was, you know, on a Sunday scrolling through my phone, and I saw um, just a post because I run a, a Facebook group that has over 1,500 moms in it that that talk to each other. Mm-hmm. It's a support group. And so uh, she wasn't in my group, but I'm a, I'm in many groups. And I saw her post about this situation that happened to her. She was in California. Mm-hmm. And she went to her um, OB's uh, appointment. The nurse practitioner came to see her. She told the nurse practitioner she was having these weird thoughts that she would never act on them, but she didn't know where these thoughts were coming right. from, what we call intrusive thoughts. And the nurse practitioner called the police. Now, in Canada, we would they would call child services, though the police has been called on women with postpartum um, OCD. It happened in British Columbia, and I talk about it in the article. But here's the thing. If the healthcare provider is properly trained, and this is what advocates are calling for, more training for healthcare providers, they would definitely be able to see the difference between postpartum OCD mm-hmm. and postpartum psychosis. There's a clear difference. When you're suffering from postpartum OCD and you talk about the intrusive thoughts and you don't want to act on them, that can be treated. You can actually send the mother home. It can be treated. She needs to be assessed, properly assessed by a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But postpartum psychosis, they don't even recognize that they're having these thoughts. It's completely Mm -hmm. delusional. And so they probably wouldn't even present themselves to the doctor. So if you know someone, maybe your daughter has just had a baby or your friend or what should you be looking for that you can help them? Mm -hmm. Well, um, as much as I am a journalist, I'm also an advocate. So I really believe that uh, the onus is on moms and on family members to... Mm -hmm to mm-hmm. uh, be obs- to observe something not going well, right. And can you imagine going through it and having to recognize what's happening to you right when you're in the middle of an awful mental disorder? Absolutely. So that's why advocates are calling for universal screening. Okay, but we don't have... Now, some countries have perinatal depression screening. Does Canada not have that? Canada has... Um, Canada is open to screening. Okay. Different provinces have enacted different ways to bring it in. Uh, a lot of the times, thanks to advocates, the moms, mm-hmm. the moms coming forward and telling their stories. We don't have universal screening recommended at the federal level, and neither do we at most provinces. So in other words, only if the healthcare provider feels comfortable in treating a woman who may identify as having a postpartum uh, or a prenatal mental health disorder, then they would run um, a screening tool. Otherwise, there's it's not mandatory. They don't have to. So, okay, one in five mothers, as I understand it, with a postpartum mental illness have refused help fearing their children would be taken away. That was from a survey by channelmom.com in, in the UK. So how do we get past that? Do we need more community resources? Oh, definitely, definitely. So right now what's happening across Canada, um, because I'm in touch with a lot of the advocates to do the work that I do, which is right about it, there is a growing grassroots movement right now of maternal mental health advocates gathering and organizing across the country. Um, I believe our time has come now. They're going to be asking for a a politician, an elected official to really champion this cause. Because in the U.S., there's a lot of legislation that has gone through in 40 states and federally, the Bringing Postpartum Out of the Shadows Act passed in 2016. It's very active there. So I think that's what's going to happen in Canada next. We're going to go the route of legislation. I think there'll be some lobby days coming up to enact, to have 
screening, if not universal screening across all jurisdictions in Canada and more resources in the community and more training for healthcare providers. How did um, you get help? How did I get help? The first time I did not get help after my first child. I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, I would email my friends and say, I know I'd say, I'm having heart palpitations and I'm really tight and I'm having these weird thoughts. And they'd say, oh, yeah, you're just going through what we all went through. No mm -hmm. big deal. No idea. There wasn't any awareness yet, really. So then um, I suffered, and because I wasn't properly treated, it actually developed into postpartum bipolar, which got a little scary because I started to have delusions. I quit my job at the drop of a hat. Um, we lost our house. We had to move. Everything's okay now. But um, the second time around, because I educated myself about it, as soon as I started having symptoms, which were worse than the first time around, I went into the doctor's office right away, and I said... I need treatment. And is that what women and families should do? Where can they go for help? To your doctor? Well, the first step is to go to your family doctor. Unfortunately, because the OBs aren't uh, screening, we don't have screening in pediat pediatrician visits, well baby visits. It's up to you to present yourself at your family doctor's office. Well, Patricia Tomasi, thank you so much for, for highlighting and advocating for this issue. Where can people connect with you online? They can connect with me at uh, patriciatomasiwordpress.com blog.com, I think. <laughs> I'm not really about promoting myself. Otherwise, you can just go to the Huffington Post and type in my name and all the articles are there. All right. Well, um, good luck. Thank you. Important Thank you calls. for having me. This is what she said on 105.9 The Region. Uh, we will be right back and you can follow us on all our social handles at What She Said Talk. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com TC or call 416-340-7270. March break is coming up fast and TAC Camps has you covered with tons of great programs in sports and education running all March break long. With locations in Richmond Hill, Thornhill and Markham offering early drop off and late pickup, TAC Camps will fit your schedule. Spots are filling up fast, so head to tacsports.ca to register today. York Region. York Region. Radio from your point of view. 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm Kate Wheeler. What you are listening to is Stole, the new single by Juno Award-winning Sean Jones, who's here with us in studio today. Welcome back to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Now, you began your career as a member of the R&B group in Essence, and now you're taking us back to sort of where it all began with your upcoming album called Sav Boulevard. What does that mean? Uh, well, actually, the we haven't actually come up with a title for the album just yet. The project is called Sav Boulevard. Ah. I wanted to distinguish it from Sean Jones because Sean Jones has been doing. Uh, Talk about myself in the third party. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, only You're sports stars and serial oh, killers do that. You better watch out. <laughs> oh man, um, Sean Jones uh, has been doing a kind of a Motown revival type thing. Mm -hmm. I've got my show at Casa Loma called mm -hmm. Salt City. Um, so I've been doing that for quite some time, but I, I kind of wanted to bring it back to where it kind of started for me, which was more pop R&B. Um, and so I decided to create kind of this alter ego Sav Boulevard. Uh, but where'd the name that, come from? Well, I just had a daughter on October 24th. Congratulations. And her name is Savannah. And Savannah. so I figured this is the new street that I'm going to be walking down for the rest of my life. So... I figured, well, let's let's call it Sav Boulevard. And uh, I just had another niece, and she's Indiana, so maybe I should no, get together. <laughs> start, start, start serving exactly. their, their Twitter handles, Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Now, you mentioned Casa Loma. This is your fourth year. Yes, this is your fourth residency uh, for Soul in the City, and you're accompanied by an eight piece band. Yes. And uh, Christine and I have both been there. It's a great night, lots of fun. Um, You have to get there so early. You guys, like, it just. To, to line up to get a to get a seat yeah. uh, and it's amazing to yeah. see all those people out there oh yeah it's um you know it started out as just 150 people honestly and it was just an idea nick had uh, nick di donato who mm-hmm. um, runs the runs the joint and you know he was like we'll do a couple weeks and we'll see how it goes and then a couple weeks turned into four weeks and then four weeks turned into six weeks and then we went through the out the entire summer turned into an entire series uh for the last four years and now we get a thousand people plus out every night and you have to get there for about 4 30 5 o'clock to get a to get a seat in the pavilion but it's good because you can tour around the castle you can walk around and go into all hidden rooms now tell everyone where they can uh follow you on social media uh sav boulevard is where you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're looking for Sean Jones, uh, <laughs> Motown revival type stuff, then you find me at Sean Jones Music on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Well, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. And uh, we are going to hear your new single in a second, but that is What She Said for this weekend. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. We'll be back next Saturday and Sunday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. And singing us out now in our live studio sessions, here's Sean Jones with Stole. Heard I got a bad, bad reputation Your girl's always saying He's a mess boy, he's a player Telling you what they be seeing me chasing Every girl down the hall Can't have one, gotta have them all Lose that number, baby, don't call Well, baby, here's the situation Yes, girl, I've been playing Breaking hearts and cheating Like love never had a meaning Then that moment that you walk by Sweet five five with a cool vibe Turned my world, honey, no lie You wanna know if I'm worth a ride Or am I just wasting your time Searching for something that you'll never find Whatever you've done, everything's changed Baby, don't go, don't run away There's something you should know You stole something from me, girl Stole my heart, heart Ah, it's like you knew that it was yours, girl From the start, start, start I didn't know what you were taking Till it was gone, gone, gone Oh, now my heart belongs to you, girl If you want, want, want Girl, I never felt the things I'm feeling. Never knew that it could feel this good. And I want me to be yours. If you have me, ain't no tricks up my sleeve, girl. Baby, I speak the truth. Ain't no other woman. Baby, all this love is for you. You. Baby, baby, oh, all this love. You stole something from me, girl. Stole my heart, heart, heart. It's like you knew that it was yours, girl. From the start, start, start. I didn't know what you were taking till it was gone, gone. Oh, now my heart belongs to you, girl If you want, want, want Hey listeners, I'm Christy And I'm Melissa And this is Buried Motives Where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome Dirtbag murderers She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. 
Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.